0: Hi, I got a tape I want to play.
1: Just what do you think you're doing, today
0: Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano. So why don't you make like a tree
1: and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Doctor said I need a backyotomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this.
0: Hmm, I like how almost jolly you were in that (laughs) one. Uh, It's very appropriate. I
1: I should have done a whole... (laughs) Oh, it's come to this. It's come to this. (laughs) We're going to do it over. All right. Yeah, I think that was good. Yeah, yeah.
0: this is is perfect for this episode. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. And we're here. It's Christmas time. It is tis the season. Tis the season. We're going to deck the halls with... Tyler Perry's Black Christmas <laughs> and uh no Black Christmas is the episode this is the Black original Christmas. 1974's Black Christmas from Bob Clark
1: genre legend Bob Clark yeah uh as a movie podcast uh we have to talk about all the All the movies, all the holiday movies, but this one is an especially fun one. I'm excited to talk about this movie. Uh, It's a a big fish for me. It's huge, and uh, it's uh, unlike any kind of other horror movie I've ever seen, Mm -mm. and uh, it's really scary. It is really scary. This
0: is, uh, when I first saw Black Christmas, uh, I liked it, and then every time I've seen it since, it keeps getting... More and more burrowed into just how much of a beloved film it is. <laughs> if so it's like, oh yeah, that's a good horror movie. And then the next time it's like, I think this is my favorite horror movie of the 70s. And mm. the next thing is like, I think this is my favorite horror movie ever. And now it's just like, well, this is one of my all-time greatest all time wow. movies. That's I, great. I love it so much. It, it feels like such a perfect horror movie that keeps getting scarier. It does. The longer it goes, they he has this paste so good, and the cast is so good, and the twists are so good, and it's a totally airtight flick.
1: And yet, you really don't learn uh, anything. <laughs> like it's airtight, but you never find out the big stuff that you always find out in a horror movie. Sure, like, you know who the killer is and all that good well. stuff. we'll
0: get to that because i have a theory okay good and i love how the movie lets me have this theory Mm -hmm. i think the answers are all there once we start talking about this oh good i think it points to one very specific person and the way the movie handles it you just it just has to be a thing that you notice okay and i've seen this enough uh you somehow must have missed it when it ran in theaters uh, just yeah, a I year was a, or so ago. I was
1: not around in 1974. Well, yeah, when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually just recently saw this again. I think I had seen this maybe as a teenager or something. Okay. I think I, the
0: first time I saw it, I was already like in my tw- like late,
1: late 20s. Right, this is
0: definitely more of a uh, last 15 years thing for me.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, I only had the vaguest of recollections about it, mostly of the the same kind of image that you see on the cover of the woman. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just recently watched it again because it was part of the Joe Bob Briggs sure, Red sure, Christmas sure, sure. thing. So uh, watching it then again, and then I actually watched it like two days later again. Just, oh, you just, went back. Yeah. I didn't hear so, this. So like three days later. or You yeah. dove back into it. I was like, I kind of want to watch this again. So I think it was like last Tuesday. At, wow. Yeah. Um, And it is disturbing. It is. And it's scary. And it's um, it's one of those that really gets under your skin in a way that movies really... Don't that much anymore for me. Totally. Uh, So it was really impressive.
0: I've uh, uh, I don't I don't know if I've just become more of a frady cat in general. It's a well I've I've talked about this before. It's a welcome trait because it's fun to be scared uh, in a horror movie. And I don't know, just has got too jaded, too cynical. But this past year, it's like I've tapped back into that really. This scares me. Mm. This scares people. <laughs> and uh, and I think this kind of, when I look back, I think it started with seeing Black Christmas in the theater uh, a year or two ago uh, at our cult movie nights. Mm. They did Black Christmas and Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is another That's amazing Christmas horror That's movie. It's a classic. Yeah. I, we, I champion all of the Silent Night, Deadly Nights. Oh, absolutely. The whole series is very fun, but that first one is just a genuinely great horror movie, not just a Santa based horror
1: movie. Right. And also pretty disturbing. Very in disturbing its own way. Yeah.
0: yeah. They, they went for more silliness later, but this, it just had the right tone. And so watching black Christmas in the theater, uh, I just rem- had that feeling at, a, at right when the girls in the movie get that sense. Yeah. That things are bad. Cause the theater that I was in was quiet. People weren't like, you know, nobody had like extra wine and was giggling
1: and like, it was silent. People mm-hmm. were like watching these girls. So yeah, <laughs> this picked this picked is a, uh, a sorority house, uh, mm-hmm. proto slasher. I think they call it proto slasher because in 74, there wasn't really a slasher genre.
0: Yeah, they were all really, this was like a mainstream slasher. Yeah. And up to that point, there'd been movies like, you know. The Centerfold Girls or Psycho, Psycho, I guess, was the original Psycho's slasher. Proto, but yeah,
1: but this is definitely more of the one killer picking off victims. Exactly, slasher movie. Exactly, yeah. This is a, a and and it's got um, some classic slasher elements as far as the Sorority House girls and their relationships. But then the killer mm-hmm. is this mystery character. Yeah, who apparently you know who it is, but I, I have think no I, I idea. I genuinely,
0: I don't think that when I reveal this, I don't think it's even just a stretch or a guess i think it has to be this person for reasons i'll lay out that i'm only (laughs) able to do because the movie put them all there and it had to be intentional okay it was just such a well-crafted thing but yeah we get the sorority house which has then become a classic Mm go-to slasher How, how how many other places can you just get six to ten girls all in the same location for (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) Like prison movies (laughs) and sorority houses
1: (laughs) that's it. perfect
0: (laughs) perfect great we got a bunch of victims all set up in a row for some faceless weirdo Mm -hmm. and the movie just has such a mood and such a tone because it's so good it's a great cast of great cast of gals the the ladies
1: are awesome in this movie
0: olivia hussey is incredible. One of the, one of the, if not the, I mean, right with Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, mm-hmm. best horror movie heroines ever. She's so great in this. But then you get the legend Margot Kidder. Yep. Who's great. Who's great. The sassy uh, friend in there. The alcoholic. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Well, that, then you also get the house mom with all of her hidden booze. Marion Waldman plays the yeah. yeah Mrs. Mac, the house she's mom with her toilet tank,
0: uh, brandy.
1: I also quite <laughs> liked uh, Andrea Martin. Uh, Andrea Martin is the the, the kind of nerdy girl. I love Andrea Martin. She was very. I mean, she's one of those where she really connected to the emotion of the uh, of the piece too. She was kind of an emotional yeah anchor for well, this.
0: all of them really felt. This is one of those where you, f- I felt the camaraderie and friendship between all of them because mm-hmm. they. They set it up so nicely. They established a kind of, not the hierarchy, but just the different relationships. The dynamics. And the dynamics Absolutely. and how the girls get along with each other. They did it very quick, and it just felt like girls who live together. Absolutely. It felt so natural, and that immediately made me comfortable. You get settled into this sense of comfort and warmth. They're all inside. They're having like their little booze parties the heats up you know like it's just a cozy fun movie the, the lighting is warm and it really sets you up for
1: well then about 8 minutes in the coziness goes away and they yeah. get, uh they they get the obscene phone call the first of many mm-hmm. uh, really disturbing phone calls there Throughout this movie, which we'll get into more later, but I don't think this that first. I don't know if I want to get into. Well, not 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 (laughs) line by line or anything. (gasps) I don't think that first obscene phone call is the same caller as the rest of the movie. Interesting. I think because they say something about the creep is back on the phone, Mm. so this is an ongoing that creepy caller. That plays into uh, my theory. In 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 the first uh, the first call, the guy is definitely saying things to the girl Mm -hmm. on the phone. Uh, sexual things, very, very perverse things. Yeah. And they kind of, they give it that like, all right, creep, go, yeah. you know, go blow your horn somewhere else kind of a attitude. And then the- Margot la- Kidder handling all the like- yeah, I got this. Yeah, yeah, the phones, I got the she, creep. She, she kind of lowest lanes it up a little bit uh-huh. there. Yeah, and then, <laughs> but then the later phone calls are almost nonsense, ramblings, Crazy. multiple personality kind of sounding Yeah, they stuff. sound like animalistic. And uh, those are very, I think those are- that's it's the killer that you get later in the movie. But I think that first one was like, some guy's been doing this. Yeah. So they kind of almost is, don't think anything of it. They, they listen to it, but they're like, eh, That's the thing. Even
0: they're guy. lulled into this security. Sure, they're getting obscene phone calls, but it's so comical to them. They're used to it. This guy's harmless and lame. Right. And they laugh at It's kind it of annoying. Off. And in the theater, when I'm seeing it, I think he's, Neil has to, I think he's shown it a couple times now over the last five or six years, and I'm going to be seeing it. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the theater was like, you know, laughing because the girls are all joking and having a good time, talking about their ski trips and their mm-hmm. boyfriends, blah, blah, blah. And everybody in the, the theater is clearly having a good time. And by the time that second call hits, that's when it's like, we are silent. And that's when that movie tone that seems so brilliant because you are seeing on their faces that they know the tone's changing. This go- the whole call is just this slow, dive down to like in depravity and it starts off with her just being like all right loser you know just really like laying it in and then the guy just keeps getting weirder and (laughs) grosser and more vulgar and more insane and then they like everyone's getting rattled the whole Mm -hmm. tone goes from like "Ha ha," this guy to them like the room goes ice cold and I felt that in the theater because nobody was giggling at had any lines, you know, the guys' lame sex come ons weren't getting a laugh now. They were just like, Jesus, it's gonna it's like a four minute phone call. This guy is <laughs> Why don't they hang letting, up? Yeah. yeah,
1: stop listening.
0: Yeah, it's like they're
1: entranced by this maniac, you know. And then what's great is that then the phone ringing becomes this like uh Pavlov's dog oh, like, yeah. response, and then it's half the time it's just the boyfriend. Or the friend on the phone, but every time it rings, then it suddenly becomes this kind of terrifying—like like, what could be on the <laughs> other end of that phone? Tooth
0: pain, nerve kind right. of thing. That you're just waiting for the return
1: of this. Uh, right, but monster. then it's like Peter being like, "Hey, Jess, what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> like, Ugh! Oh, well, God, it's my Peter. heart. Peter, there's nothing wrong with Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Good guy. This
0: guy's a totally normal dude. <laughs> um, I. The movie is very strong at keeping your attention, but keeping you misdirected. The the movie introduces you know essentially anybody as a suspect. You have no idea who it is. You you shirt certainly wants you to think it's one of five people that they have regular you know Peter and John Saxon. I almost
1: wonder if it's a man because you it's a the uh, Mm. the killer's point of view is what you're seeing the first person point of view kind of like Elijah Wood in that Maniac remake. Yeah yeah so. You're not seeing the killer, and the only times you do see bits and pieces. I'm wondering. Uh, all right, well, I'm very curious to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To hear
0: I think it's pretty later. solid, uh, and it was something that did. It didn't come to me. I've never, you know, looking up theories or whatever. Sure to, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. I like I like that stuff to just happen if it happens. If I notice something, and sometimes they're misguided, and so other times I'm, you know, like when Mulholland Drive clicked with me in the theater. It was, such, it was like this crowning achievement. Like, yes, I understand everything that is going on right now. Mm-hmm. And I got that kind of same sense last time in Black Christmas where there was a couple things I noticed that I hadn't really before. And once I started kind of doing the arithmetic on it, like, oh, I, think they, I think they left these little breadcrumbs Interesting. from me. You do All get right. a little glimpse of this guy towards the end in the closet. A little glimpse. I don't know if it's, a mu- it's, if it's enough to do anything. I haven't really examined it. Mm-hmm. But you get a little bit of it. Okay. But the whole tone of this movie, it's such, it's such a masterpiece. This is as just, for me, as it kept moving up my ranks. And once I finally decided, like, no, nah, I don't love any horror movie more than this one from the 70s. Mm-hmm. And there's great contenders. Tourist Trap and Texas Chainsaw. Exorcist. You know. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I do not use, say that statement lightly. I would hope But, you're I, not. but I've never. You are we being take, recorded. We take this seriously here, all right? This so is a serious podcast. Movies are serious business. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, I, I, I also don't try. I try to avoid hyperbole. Mm. You know, if I love something, I want it to really stand out as, like, this is amazing. And the more I watch, the more it's like, well, all these other 70s movies are great. None of them terrify me. Right. the level of black christmas i'm not scared during texas chainsaw i like watching texas it's disorienting mm-hmm. it's the last 40 minutes are just screaming yeah it's, it's this intense. it's a jarring intense experience but it's not a terrifying experience and black christmas
1: is straight up chills me <laughs> like it's, and it's it, the it's the pacing it's the tension of the uh of the the plot but it's yeah it's also just like the way things are shot and following people around and yeah, everything about it adds up. And the Bob the, Clark, the sound design is amazing, and everything about it is just it really this really gets the score that, you
0: know. is really great. Yeah, I'm a big score guy. Duh, huge. But Bob <laughs> Clark's direction for a guy who is, I mean, legendary career, mm-hmm. he did weird stuff like Death Dream. Then he did Porky's. Right. You know? Like best, I mean,
1: best known probably for his other Christmas, Christmas story.
0: Yeah. Like, Can you imagine 10 years apart making the best Christmas horror film and then the best Christmas comedy? Right. <laughs> like, How is this guy not just an American icon? Nobody else had a career like did, Bob Clark. Did yeah. baby geniuses take that much of the steam? It hurt. <laughs> it a hurt a lot. That's a big dent.
1: Yeah. but I'm not going to argue cow. with that.
0: A Christmas story, there is... No other Christmas movie more legendary in the States. Maybe Home Alone. uh, Love Actually is going to be a big contender. (laughs) Christmas Vacation was a big one. But Christmas Story is There's only one movie that gets played 24 hours a
1: day every Christmas. And it's that one.
0: And 10 years before, he just happens to make the best horror movie of of that decade. All Christmas.
1: If Shudder is smart, they run a 24-hour Black Christmas marathon yeah. on Christmas, the way that uh, TNT or whoever does it for Christmas Story. Because and, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That Shutter the needs new, to be doing it. That should be the new Christmas tradition. It needs to be. I think
0: <laughs> it seemed like uh, I, Black Christmas was a victim of some pretty poor DVD releases. Hmm. Uh, the, the original DVD transfer was abysmal. Is that right? And the DVD themselves... They sucked. There was no, you know, it was bad, bad transfer, bad extras, you know, just a lame duck DVD release. Not Mm -hmm. given a fancy. Now it's finally been out for a couple years on Scream Factory, did the Blu-ray, and it feels like this movie's finally being seen. It feels like a movie that everybody knows a famous line from. Mm -hmm. But it's a line that they couldn't ever actually say where it was from. You I know. can see that. I'm yeah, sure yeah. a lot of people know, you know, like you're looking at me, but half the people don't know Tax Driver or like I'm walking here, you know, but they don't know Midnight Cowboy.
1: Well, this has got to have one of the most famous lines. That's what I'm saying. In horror history. Everybody
0: knows that line. Right. They they everybody knows this line. It is canon, but I don't think a lot of people, you know, the general public doesn't go, "Oh yeah, from Black Christmas." Right. What is that line? We'll tell you later. We'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> in part 3 of our Black Christmas episode. <laughs> We just will examine the power of that line. Well, it's... But uh, no, I think that's a line that has become such a punchline. In, in Or, it's such an obvious... It's such...
1: Well, to me, it's a, one of the most ubiquitous kind uh-huh. of urban legend tropes of all time. Sure. You grew up listening... You grew up hearing stories that are basically the plot of Black Christmas... Yeah. ...without knowing it.
0: When we would go on, like... Uh, you know, the like Boy Scout jamborees and those kind of trips Mm -hmm. where there would be six boys jammed in a van, like, like on this six hour road trip kind of thing to a
1: fucking. Wasn't that David Lynch's first uh, short film? Six boys jammed in a van. Six boys jammed in a van. We jam a The David Lynch
0: jamboree story. Uh, But, you know, there would always be like a couple kids. I remember my friend Mark Umek had watched The Shining. You know, when we were nine years old. And so we spent two hours basically just describing what happens in The Shining in real time. <laughs> we got a three-hour recap to a two-hour movie. And I was sitting there with, like,
1: my mouth open the whole time.
0: Yeah, the woman in the tub. But then she's, like, got a moldy butt. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? Moldy butts can be in that's movies? That's kind of what
1: happened with this movie, yeah. It, it became that story that you tell around the campfire. So that's or, it. Yeah,
0: or, you always heard, yeah. yeah, the the guy in the... The guy in the back of the car Mm -hmm. and the dude's flashing their brights to try and warn the lady. You know, it was one of those stories that kids told. And Black Christmas feels like one of those familiar kids horror spook stories. Right. In the best way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we get the girls are great. I'm glad you brought up Andrea Martin. She's a total legend. Oh, yeah. She's great to this day. This is like a pre-SCTV Andrea Martin you know, and so it's kind of jarring. I didn't actually until I saw Black Christmas the first time. I assumed SCTV was like her first. I definitely even kind of watching thing. it
1: uh, recently. I didn't even recognize it being her until you yeah, know, seeing she the had credits the, like, and being like, I know that name, and then oh yeah, yeah yeah, of course. So well,
0: she had like the Meg Griffin look. She in did. The, yeah, she's <laughs> got the like movie. The, the
1: the white lady afro yeah. and the glasses and stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, that New York seventies uh, fro. Totally. Uh, And she's so great still today, like on difficult people. Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. She's so amazing, and so I. But like you said, she really gets to the heart. She is a weak person. She is not like (laughs) these phone calls. She's not into these games. Right, Margot Kidder's taken them with a grain of salt. And Livia Hussey has more serious things in her life. Mm -hmm. And this girl is somebody who this. She does not want to get used to this stuff. (laughs) She's not into it. So I love those. All these girls, I said this earlier, they just felt so natural. They didn't felt like, you know, they were saying things because that's what the character has to say at this moment. They felt like it was just laid out so well. And as you said, Bob Clark filmed this so well. And then we get this just slow burn of a story where there's a missing girl, a girl they knew. Mm-hmm. You know, and I dig how we don't really uh, we don't. That could have just been a coincidental murder for all we know. We just get distracted by this missing girl. Right. And so these girls are all tied up in this missing girl. So they don't
1: know that they're <laughs> the future missing girl. Their friends have started to go missing. Yeah. I...
0: So they're so tied up. And it's such a perfect uh, narrative structure for these kind of movies where Oh, it's our last party before we all leave for break. Cause you can conceivably have people then disappear without people being this is weird that they're not here right now. Like, mm-hmm. oh well she's probably, you know, had too much to drink and she wandered uh she went over to her boyfriend's house and you know, or she went home early, her dad picked her up and there's all these great ways to get the girls out of the way without people thinking, I bet she's been murdered mm-hmm. and left in the house somewhere.
1: Right. Yeah, nobody assumes that, uh, yeah, their friends are in danger. But, yeah, it's such a weird turn because we do get kind of that first kill, uh, the girl, and uh, she sees, like, a figure in her closet. Mm -hmm. And she's like, who's there? Who's there? (laughs) As she's walking towards the closet, I'm like, what are you doing, first of all? But um, that, to me, is one of the more iconic kind of images of the movie is that girl. uh, She gets suffocated with the plastic. Yeah. Yeah and that image of her in the rocking chair oh sure she, she gets taken up to the attic and but then yeah all of a sudden when you think they're suddenly going to start worrying about this missing friend yeah this 13-year-old girl ends up missing <laughs> in the park and yeah. they all go to help her meanwhile yeah the boyfriends like my girlfriend is missing also and yeah, but she's... we're in the park searching and yeah it's such a like 180 that you don't see coming
0: the misdirection is really strong and it doesn't feel like misdirection for the sake of misdirection. It feels all very believable that these things would be distracting and you wouldn't notice Mm -hmm. that this other stuff was happening. Yeah. It's not just, oh, we're gonna get randomly introduced to this character for twenty
1: minutes that just to distract our It's a very chaotic movie in that Mm -hmm. way of them going from one thing to the next and a lot of confusion. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, it's very strange. Um I don't really But but it's such a, like you said, like feels natural like it doesn't feel forced right that it's this chaotic you you
0: see exactly why they end up in the horror situations they wound up on yeah Uh, and that's why i think it's important that well maybe i'll save this for later but i brought up earlier that sense of comfort and coziness Mm -hmm. the girls only stay around as long as they do as victims basically out of a sense of comfort and familiarity they're too trusting. Hmm. They trust a lot of people around them. And that kind of helps them in some ways, but it also leads to a lot of them getting murdered. They think they're safe. They think they're protected. Right. You know, they're all together. They're in this, this locked house. There's a house mom in there. They know the local police. They seem friendly with them. Right. John Saxon. Oh. In, a, in a. I mean, is there more of a genre legend than John Saxon? John
1: Saxon coming in as the yeah lieutenant of the police. Yeah. Yeah, and and because they feel safe in their house, and then there's this external problem with the the missing girl in the park. Uh-huh. It even kind of furthers uh, furthers their thinking away from thinking yeah, that something in a, the house is wrong. It's a, a
0: wrong. sense of mental distance. Yeah, you know, like, uh, and so there's just this comfort and familiarity that sets them up for <laughs> the worst things happening, and as the movie goes on, that sense of trust gets chipped away. And that's when things keep getting scarier and scarier because you're seeing them in real time realizing that they've been too trusting. And now maybe we shouldn't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. And so that's when the character of weirdo Peter, <laughs> uh, here, from, uh, from 2001.
1: 2001. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, just up again, an intense but believable boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had relationships in college. I had no idea what I was doing. Everything felt <laughs> like the biggest decision for me. And Peter's a guy who reacts strongly to big decisions. But the movie is pretty crafty at presenting him as an artistic guy, a music major, uh, mm-hmm. not maybe you know the most socially normal guy but a functioning, cool, handsome boyfriend guy. And so you expect kind of these intense reactions, and there's a lot of thematic material. So when he and Olivia Hussey are arguing, it doesn't feel so overtly that they're like, I bet Peter's a killer. Yeah. It just feels pretty normal, intense couple-
1: Well, they're not just arguing about any old thing. It's kind of a big deal. (laughs) Um, This movie in 1974... Progressive as hell. ...has uh, abortion as a uh, big theme, and, and Olivia Hussey's character Jess is pregnant and has decided at the beginning of this movie that she's going to get an abortion Yeah, she because she doesn't want the baby. She wants to live her life. She has shit to do. Yeah.
0: (laughs) She's like, I want to do this. I want to go there. I'm not ready. And that's when I said earlier during that first obscene call, Olivia Hussey's got other things on her mind. Exactly. She is not. This guy is just bugging her. Like, she's done with him. She has big personal problems going on.
1: Right. So when she tells Peter, he obviously, and it's his baby, Uh he obviously objects and It's like, you didn't even ask me. How could you make this decision without even asking me? And so very, very um, good way of actually bringing up this issue. Yeah. And having these people really talk about this issue without it being, you know, abortion equals A or B.
0: I thought it was such a well laid out scene and a well laid out part of the script that Peter does not come off as fully irrational. Right. It's not like they picked this hard stance where he's like, No, that's my baby. I'm going to be the provider. You know, it's not like this, like, you're the woman and you right. do the He's just like, You didn't even talk to me about it. Like, I, I you know, he kind of makes some sense and he just gets more and more mad and makes. Less sense, but well,
1: and she, I think, also, I think it's very important that Olivia Hussey's character is not hysterical herself. She's yeah. come to this conclusion, this decision, very rationally. Yeah, very, uh, you know, in the right mind frame to do so. So mm-hmm. she's trying to calmly explain to him, "This is what's going to happen," and he's saying, "You know, you're going to be sorry if you do this." And it sounds like it could be a threat. Uh-huh. Like it. So obviously, <laughs> yes. the movie wants you to think that this guy has got the motivations for. Being for, who he is? Yeah. Or, or or for maybe being the potential killer, but... Um.
0: It's such a beautiful scene, the way it's constructed, because like you said, she's not the hysterical woman. Mm-hmm. She's dealing with this. Clearly, it is tough for her. She's not an ice queen. This is not an easy right. decision for her. She's right. not a heartless, like, I'm too selfish to be doing this at this point. She has thought this out. This has been on her mind, the only thing on her mind, for a month. And the progression of their argument never feels we're forcing the horror. and We're forcing the drama. This feels like a naturally progressing, intense disagreement between a serious couple. This is not a fling. Her and Peter seemed pretty established that they were going to be
1: together after college well peter certainly thought peter so. certainly yeah. thought he so was under the impression this was a lockdown uh, yeah. situation he thought yeah. this
0: was done for in uh, the best way
1: actually, and now yeah uh i i actually really like the character of peter because it is such a you go so f- much back and forth with him yeah throughout the movie and i really thought this the scene where he then has to give this piano recital And you see just the anguish on his face as he's playing. And then he, in the next scene, destroys that piano. Yeah. Man, that is just like raw emotion and just real real human stuff coming out in this horror slasher movie. Yeah. So in
0: 1974, the vibe I got from both Peter playing his recital in front of... This is like his final, basically. So there's only three, you know, advisors in there watching him. And... And then the the piano destruction scene—it felt like to me something in a Paul
1: Thomas Anderson movie. Totally, like, totally. Like, and so they were not. You could see uh, Daniel Day Lewis in this Peter role. Yeah, honestly. Oh, yeah,
0: totally. And yeah. that's why, upon rewatching this movie time and time again, I'm so impressed because they don't skimp on any element of this scene. The cast is so good, and Bob Clark's direction and where he wanted to take the movie is so strong that every one of these scenes is being given very careful attention. Mm -hmm. You know, the scenes of the camaraderie even in the police department. You know, that one prank being played (laughs) on the officer by the guys. You immediately, just as I said with the girls, you get a sense of their relationships, their hierarchy. You get a sense of that with every relationship in the movie. These people feel so uh, three-dimensional as people to me. And yeah, that those scenes with Peter are just so intense. Like I said, I thought of Daniel Day Lewis. Like, yeah. geez, this feels like something out of a serious drama about a Juilliard student or something. Exactly. Like they aren't just saying, "Ah, we'll get through Peter's child, then we'll get back to the stabbing." <laughs> like, no, they are taking all of that time to make everybody in this movie an important part of the story. And that just, when you show that kind of detail and respect for your characters, it elevates every part. Of the production and so some of the the thrill moments the more the less and less Olivia Hussey starts to trust people Mm -hmm. especially Peter the conversation with Peter is wrecks her and puts her on edge for the rest of this movie and she doesn't know what to do she doesn't know if she should apologize she doesn't know if like no this had to be said and just needs to get over it because she doesn't really have time (laughs) to think about that yeah because then they start noticing others missing. Like, no, they, they, she wouldn't have gone there. They wouldn't have done that. Like, suddenly stuff's not adding up. Well, when the mother
1: of the house, especially, uh, mm-hmm. gets killed and goes missing, then, yeah, they know something's going on. Where would she on. go? Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: she goes nowhere. <laughs> That's a great kill.
1: That's, I love that kill.
0: Oh, uh, great girl.
1: kills in this movie. Yeah. Good, good stuff uh, mm-hmm. on that front, too. We're talking about all this human drama yeah. and these emotional moments, but also just really great, scary yeah uh, disturbing kind of moments with the kills and with the this killer stalking these girls in this giant sorority house yeah um, yeah and both not... both exist at the same time which is what's so great about this one
0: there's the big temptation nowadays to make these killers have like elaborate schemes Mm -hmm. To kill people. And I like this guy is just killing people with stuff that he finds in the house. (laughs) Right. Like, here's a sharp statue. Here's a, you know. (laughs) Oh, saran wrap. Great. Yeah. I'm just going to bag this woman's head. (laughs) You know, he's not coming in there with his ninja set of skills. This is... this, And as we get deeper into the movie and we start getting more and more thriller moments, uh, and Olivia Hussey is finally... Alone in this house, that is some of the absolute man. Something about a female lead being alone in a house. I guess I am. That is that hits me so hard. You're talking <laughs> Drew Barrymore in Scream, That's your sweet spot. Uh, Jill sholin in When a Stranger Calls Back. Like, geez, something about that. I don't know if it's these actresses that are able to just perfectly convey that vulnerability. And oh, geez, I am. Deep over my head and mm-hmm. I'm realizing it right now because Olivia Hussey in that. In the final third of the movie, it, what a powerhouse. Yeah. She ends,
1: yeah. She ends up being kind of, yeah, the last one in the house. And uh she gets the cops to tap the phone because the calls have kept getting weirder and kept coming. Yeah, And and eventually the calls are just someone screaming at someone else and you're hearing that voice responding and you're hearing yeah like you said earlier animal noises and just everything you can't really even tell what's going on but none of it sounds good right it's just
0: this screeching weird voice terror that uh, what what i
1: imagine uh edward norton in motherless brooklyn sounds like after you (laughs) described his performance It's just the him in those if, phone calls. If
0: Edward Norton had called in <laughs> to these girls, the tone of this movie would have been wrecked from scene one.
1: Oh, Never mind. brutal! Maybe not.
0: I'm done now that I <laughs> now I gotta think of Motherless Brooklyn again. I'm sorry, done. Sorry, my bad. So, my bad. Oh no! Yeah, there's there's such there's so many ways that these phone calls could have been screwed up. There's this med- they're wild. They're, like, they're wild.
1: Just, they're just absolutely like untamed. Just yeah, they, and they could have been silly. Uh huh. It, it could have come laughably off laughably bad. Yeah. La- yeah,
0: it could have come off real risable. And all of us uh, that have watched these movies and kind of know these themes and elements and the way they progress, we have kind of inner BS detectors. Hmm. And I couldn't really tell you, like, oh, they were trying a little hard with this line. It's one of those things where you just know it when you hear it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh boy, they were really trying to make this guy into a creep. Nope, they nailed it. It's got, these calls were the worst <laughs> like they are so unsettling, even though nothing very little outright you know threats there are occasional well, yeah, exactly term. it's it's that's, just that's you're why, listening
1: to the rantings of a deranged mind exactly that's that's why I was saying the the first caller in the in the opening uh is not the same person because he's Mm-mm. actually communicating threats, and yeah, this wasn't an escalation. Profanity. This, yeah, this, when the psycho is calling, he is just raving. Yeah. Uh, wildly, yeah.
0: And it's important that you bring that up. You t- we talked about this earlier. And it's at a level of detail, like I said, that other movies don't, they don't think it through this far. To keep the girls in that comfort zone, like to already establish like, this is the guy he always calls here. It's mm-hmm. become a in joke in the house, this guy again. To already set them up for that, which only makes the next, you know, the calls after that worse and worse. Because they they might still be thinking it's the same guy. They've already gotten yeah. used to. And this guy has been operating at the same level of lame for a while. And for all they know, now the guy's, oh, geez, mm-hmm. is unexpectedly ramped up. And it's that backstory and that explanation for everything. Everything in this movie has a good reason. Nobody's making the dumbest decisions ever. Mm. Even bad decisions like, who's in my closet? Or (laughs) Olivia Hussey, when she realizes she's alone and with the killer, she goes back upstairs because she is wanting to save her friend. Exactly. Who she still thinks is alive Mm -hmm. and just sleeping. It's not like she's like, well, the killer's in there. Better run up these stairs and trap myself. Like, they're not making... The movie's not advancing because of stupidity. Mm-hmm. The, the movie is
1: playing out like, well, that seems like how it would go in a situation like this. What else would they do? Yeah. And she knows the killer's in the house because of that famous line. The calls are coming from inside the house.
0: Yeah. Now, that got a reaction when I see it in the theater. It always does. But part of me thinks it gets a reaction because people think like, oh, this line again. Yeah. This line that we're all familiar with. Like, they don't know that this is it. (laughs) This is what started it. Everybody else took it. And I even love the tension that's brought up with that whole phone scene. Oh, that phone operator scene. What a mess.
1: Oh, man. That's intense stuff. Just watching a guy trying to track a phone number in a warehouse. Manually tracking a
0: phone call. Yeah. Tracking a phone call in 74
1: seemed like. A production. It was. I don't know what he was even. I have looking no idea at. how he was he's doing. Basically, it. in a giant server warehouse-looking thing, looking at these racks of phones. And it was like straight out of Brazil. I don't know. Or yeah. Something <laughs> like
0: it was such a crazy scene. It reminds me of that that same kind of chaos that, uh, like John Travolta goes through in Blowout mm. when he realizes all of his tapes have been released or erased, mm. and so he's just ripping apart is the, but this guy's this controlled chaos of like well now i gotta row run four columns of phone lines (laughs) over and get plug this cord here into this rca and oh so you get this great like them urging her well keep them on the line
1: right girl yeah you gotta keep them on the line this girl's
0: nerves are beyond
1: fried Oh, just, just listen to this a little bit longer. And at this yeah. point, it's like, why are you doing this? I know it sounds like a guy fucking a pig, but just keep him <laughs> yeah. on the line. Keep him on the line a little bit more. <laughs>
0: How much longer? Well, no less than five and a half minutes. Five than that, and a half yeah. minutes? <laughs> yeah, and you keep this poor girl. After each one, it's just like, we almost got it. <laughs> you just needed a little bit more. Little bit it's like already these phone calls are feeling endless. They are long. They seem long. And um, so yeah, that but that line is so it's so good. I don't care that it's used with it no. builds so perfectly.
1: And I really, I, I mean, this would be the time to give Doug McGrath, the guy who plays Sergeant Nash, a mm. shout out because I love Sergeant Nash. Yeah, in this yeah, movie. yeah. He's kind of the one comedic foil in the whole thing because he doesn't know what fellatio means in the beginning. Yeah, he's a dumb. He's he's a dumb, like desk. You know the, girl,
0: the girls prank him,
1: and cop. the other cops uh, laugh laugh at him. him getting pranked. But his reaction of not knowing what the word means and stuff, yeah, it's perfect. It's good. He's so good in that.:
0: Yeah, the movie has among the most likable cops yeah. <laughs> you'll ever meet uh, Like I said, these people just felt lived in. Mm-hmm. These people felt real, but the the way the terror escalates and the girl's missing, and by the time Olivia Hussey realizes she's alone, like I said her performance from there on out. I think probably the greatest uh horror performance. Guy or girl. She's so perfect. And just so scared and so she's so sweet and so smart and so at the worst moment of her life every second mm-hmm. that goes on. By the time she sees the killer. I think the scariest part for me. And like you said, I think we've talked before how does this movie keep getting scarier every Mm -hmm. scene that goes on? It keeps it just once it starts rolling, man, it is a snowball just flying down that hill. Yeah. Gathering speed and size.
1: Yeah. Once she finally kind of makes the big like Laurie Strode esque discovery of the bodies in the in the bedroom. Yeah. We get one of just the scariest (sighs) moments in film history, in my opinion, seeing the killer's eyeball. Mm-hmm. I assume that's what you mean through that, the crack in the door, yeah. And him, the way that eyeball, <laughs> it was a squirrely eyeball, man. And then it like kind of sets on her. Uh-huh. Holy cow! Good god! Like that is chilling. Yeah, and you know, then knowing he's right behind the door there. Yeah, they got a door separating them, and then she has to kind of hit him with the door, and he's screaming like bloody murder. Mm-hmm. Oh man, It's just they, intense.
0: They do a thing that so many of these movies don't do, where they make these killer's the most fleet-footed guy possible. I, th- I always think of, like, Scream, where the guy's falling down the stairs because <laughs> he's wearing a mask and he can't see shit. Like, yes! This guy's not a ninja. Right. He's like a dude who's like, well, I've never done this before, so hopefully it goes right.
1: <laughs> and so that's, you kind of get the sense that this, that's this guy. You get the sense this guy's making it up as he goes along. Yeah. He's well, just devolving mentally. I'm in it now. Mentally. And, uh, yeah.
0: But her running down the stairs... And you don't see the guy, but you just sense that he is one step behind her. You don't see him. Mm. And you just get the sense, like, you get that hand that all, that reaches out and gets her right around a corner that she just, through physics, is able to break away from. But her flying down those stairs, crying these tears of mm. horror... When she gets to the basement door and slams it behind her, and he is right on the other side of that door, just breathing and laughing, and that is the scariest to me. Him just r- making these crazy, like, <laughs> like, yeah. right, yeah. there's a there's a door between them. And she's safe for now, but he's right, uh. That gets me. God, that scared me so bad. That whole, for the rest of it, it scared me so bad. Her creeping around the basement, hiding from... So then Peter shows up. And then Peter shows we up. We keep getting... The movie's really good about... You get those two guys who show up at her house. hmm And why I say the, the attention to detail that we talk about, you'd mentioned the conversations sound like more than one person. Yeah. These phone calls. It sounds like it's a back-and-forth conversation. So then two dudes show up at her house. Very normal-seeming guys. But her trust is done at this point. They were guys that were just looking for the little girl in the park... Can we, you know, do you remember the the, the yeah, two guys yeah. right at the back door there in the kitchen? And then it's just like, oh, my gosh, like, who who can she trust? Believably at mm-hmm. this point, everything she thought she knew has just been upended. So, of course.
1: And she already got a scare from Peter earlier in the hallway. He comes down the stairs. Yeah. Uh, saying he had ta- he had been taking a little nap. And and <laughs> she's like, uh, you scared the hell out of me. He's like, oh, you scared the hell out of me, too. Like, the way that he kind of plays it off yeah. is very suspicious. Very much. So she's clearly of the mindset of thinking that that Peter is, uh, yeah.
0: I just woke up from a nap, even though I don't seem like someone who's yeah. been sleeping anywhere. Yeah, hair perfectly Yeah, long, his perfectly long, coiffed yeah. hair. Yeah. yeah, I
1: sleep in a turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. That
0: itchiest-looking, bulky <laughs> turtleneck sweater possible. Oh, I was just having an an itchy perfect hair nap (laughs) (laughs) you believe me though i'm just as scared as you are (laughs) and so already and i love that great as peter is showing up at the house and he's trying to find her he's so reassuring Mm -hmm. is that you like hey come on what are you doing let, let me in come on and then we're seeing at the same time like is that right when we see the destroyed piano like the cops finding a Uh, I think they may
1: find the piano a little earlier, little earlier, something like that. But we, but what happens is that she's in the basement and Peter is looking through the window, then just kicks open the window. Yeah, so it feels very threatening. But then he gets in, like I've been looking for you. What's going on? Yeah. So
0: Peter's decisions, even though we think he's a maniac, they also it's not him acting super irrationally. If you thought your girlfriend was in danger, like you'd you'd break a window to get in through a door. Right. You know, like, that's something you would do. He doesn't do it... It's not like he's screaming while he's, like, bashing in this window and coming in puffing and, you know... Right. Enraged, like, no, man, if somebody was inside and you had to get to them and you thought, like, like,
1: man, break that window... But he's almost too cool when he's like in the basement. Yeah. Like, he's, what's going very, on? Are he's you back
0: super there? casual. Like,
1: he's a little too, like, hey, I know we just had this abortion fight, yeah. but come on. Come on out. It's me. <laughs> it's come me. on out of there. Oh, old Petey. What are you doing? Hiding behind that thing? The, come the, on. the guy who uh, 20 minutes ago you told him you didn't want to marry him. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I'm just, but I'm still the good guy here. Still the same, guy. <laughs> same guy. Still Petey. Uh,
0: yeah. So I love that we see the, uh, the destroyed piano because she doesn't. She doesn't That's know true. she's already scared of this guy and she doesn't know the full level of off his rocker that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I and of course, uh, she is the what we think is for now the final girl right. and uh, ends up what murdering
1: somehow Peter? killing Peter. Yeah. With a, a stabbing a, a uh, fireplace Peter. poker or something. Yeah.
0: The image of her being found by the cops with like her just next to mm-hmm. like wrapped up in
1: basically. They both look dead when the cops see oh. them and she kind of just Her face with like eyes. her eyes opening. Wow. Yeah.
0: Oh that hit that that always hits me. She looks so like she is the woman who's gone through the shit.
1: Yeah. Like oh but thankfully is, Peter's dead. Peter's dead, All the cops no are threat. There. They uh they put her to bed. For Some reason, uh, instead of like taking her to a hospital where you would get examined, they put, put her to bed and, and all leave, and then yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, and then the one, uh, the older guy faints or, or passes out. So oh, they, yeah, the they dad, take of, him to the hospital because that's one of the the father of father uh, the one, missing, one of the earliest missing yeah, girls who's mm-hmm. been looking for her the whole time. And yeah, they're like, all right, we're all wrapped up here, yeah, we're good to go, <laughs> have a good night. You Put you a later. bow on this one.
0: <laughs> We're going to step out. A little Christmas pun there from the cops.
1: <laughs> yeah, everybody's just you gotta just
0: just patting each other on the back. Mission accomplished. Great job. Hell, she's been through a lot. Let her sleep alone. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so then. Uh, that amazing uh, pan through the house. Yeah, we the now, the great shots. The now, again, totally. We had so many different moments of silence in this house. You know, the movie keeps building, it's a frenetic movie in a lot of ways, but it keeps building us to these moments of silence, mm. the scary silence where you know you're alone. Silence. You know, Olivia Hussey has that when she realizes she's alone. She thought she was alone in the house. She's not alone. Mm-hmm. Silence. And so this movie, it's so quiet. And you're just panning through that. And of course, we get to the attic. Yeah. And there's somebody breathing
1: up there still. And the bodies are still up there. Mm-hmm. They never checked the attic. Cops did the not attic. check the attic. Nobody thought to search the house even though they found bodies in the one room. Nobody thought to do a sweep Mm-mm. top to bottom. So the girl with the, yeah, the plastic wrapped around her head is still there. I think the, the house mother is still up there. Yep. And the killer is still up there. Yep. And then we get that beautiful shot out the window mm-hmm.
0: of, you know, the victims in there, as we pan out there, they're just out of sight. Could be visible if you looked right from the right spot, but nobody is yet. Yeah. And that's it. So, now you want to hear my theory.
1: I do. I'm curious, before that, do you think that killer gets Olivia Hussey I after the movie? I never think of it that far. I, I like... You don't want to speculate. I Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, love
0: where, I love how it ended where we, where we ended, because mm-hmm. in this instance... Sometimes I want to know. Other times, it's way better to not know. And I love just this thought of, like, because you're thinking it, too. The cops are leaving, and you're just like, well, that's it? Yeah. That's it? We're good? Like, are we sure? this? She shouldn't be some, somewhere else? I guess she has no physical injuries, but still, she went through some ordeals.
1: And something else, she just killed a man. She did kill so, a dude. She, I killed mean, her, she killed the guy. Maybe keep someone on her. She just killed a guy She's whose baby suspect. is in her <laughs> presently. Yeah. Explain like, that one.
0: They're like, well, she seems tired. Let's <laughs> leave her be
1: and lock up after yourselves. Are we going to leave her a note that says that we all Should left? Should we keep an officer with her? I mean, she is now a suspect in a murder. Yeah. At least the one. She <laughs>
0: clearly murdered that man. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so, no, okay.
0: Not a flight risk. Right. Leaving her here, so I love that. Uh, it's just not over for. Her. Yeah,
1: I. Ass- uh, yeah, if well, you because s- because it keeps that tension going even I mean, after the movie. There yeah, is the movie yeah, ends no and you realize,
0: ending. oh, the worst is still yet to come for. Her. Yeah, and so you don't really need to show it because you know, like, well, she's the most sitting duck of all now. Exactly, she's now sleeping, completely
1: hope- helpless yeah. in the
0: house with the guy still in yeah. it. So cool. yeah, she probably just gets butchered. But the movie, thankfully, doesn't do that. It just leaves you feeling gross and sick. Mm. It pans out knowing that, oh, yeah, you don't see this, but she gets messed up. It's still going. It's still happening for her. So the credits hit, and you're just like, oh, that
1: didn't solve anything. (laughs) That was a dark movie. (laughs) That was was a black Christmas. All right, I got to hear the theory now.
0: So, the killer. I'm never going to look this up. Cause I don't care. Okay. I think I'm right. I think the movie lays it oh, out perfect I in don't think there
1: is perfect a definitive. There's not a definitive. Like, Joe Bob was like. Oh, really? He, does, he, he actually doesn't like that you're never told explicitly who mm-hmm. the killer is. That was his big gripe with the movie. So here's what I noticed so here, last time. So that's why I can't You start wait.
0: thinking. One of the things that makes Peter such an effective red herring mm-hmm. is that he's, ex- he's an expected face in the house. It's not out of the ordinary for Peter to be in that house. Sure. The girls all know him. He's a longtime boyfriend of one of the biggest popular girls there. He's a guy whose presence is not suspicious. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking these calls were probably all coming from inside the house because the killer, the murders would happen very close together to the calls. So it's either two people working in concert with each other which I think is dumb and mm-hmm. not the case. So then that made me look at who is in the house that would have regular access and not look out of place there. And the guy that I landed on is the kind of chubby schlubby boyfriend. I think it might be Andrea Martin's boyfriend. You see him a couple times at the party and I'm pretty positive during one of the scenes. He's not there. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think he's present when this phone call happens. And when one of the other phone calls happen, I don't think he's in the room. I don't think it shows him excusing himself, but he's not there. But he's clearly a long-term boyfriend. He knows all the girls because you see him all yucking it up at this party. I, he might be Andrea Martin's boyfriend okay. in the movie. I'm, I'm forgetting. I haven't seen it. I haven't watched it this year. Interesting. But you think if the calls are coming from inside the house, this guy would be a guy who none of the girls would be alarmed to see. He could go anywhere in there. He could easily go hide out in Andrea Martin's bedroom because it's a place that he's been and that he's been seen tons of times. He is the only guy from all the rest of the people who you never really hear from again. Hmm. Everybody else, every other boyfriend, every other girl has a place that they were going or a place they were checking out. At a certain point in the movie, that guy is not, his status is not told.
1: Oh, you're talking about the guy who like dresses up as Santa for mm-hmm. the kids thing in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he kind of disappears pretty early in the movie. Yeah. Doesn't he? Interesting. Uh-huh.
0: But he would be a guy who nobody would think twice about being inside that house. He would have full access to the house without it seeming weird. And not many people have that access. He's the only guy I think it could be. But I think enough of the clues are there that I don't think I'm making any logic leaps. Hmm. I don't think he was present when the phone calls were made. It's very easy for him to steal away to the bathroom and make a phone call without anybody hearing him three stories up. It was a huge, tall place. Right. I think it's that, dude. Okay. That's, That's my theory. Uh... So I'm amazed that Joe Bob had not put that together because I think the movie is smart enough. And I'm giving the movie a lot of credit. Because it lays out everything else so perfectly, and then this is right there with no plot hole that I can see that I have to think, no, it has to be this guy. Because the movie laid out everything else so effectively, they clearly knew what they were doing. But I did not notice that until last time I saw it in the theater. So that was probably like the fifth time I've saw it. And it finally, I finally thought about it, and that jumped out at me. I think it's airtight.
1: All right. That would be Patrick is the character. Okay. Uh, played by Michael Rapport. Yes. he's in one of Ben's favorites, Hard Bodies. He's Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> we will be coming back with a Michael Rapport cast because we rapport will eventually be doing coming. a Hard Bodies cast. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a Black Christmas Hard Bodies double. Oh, I love The that. perfect pairing. Yeah, the, summer
1: and winter. A Rapport with Rapport. Love it. But, yeah. It's, That's a cool theory. Yeah, I get it because, yeah, that guy is... Very much in the first 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then not at all. And
0: I don't. I think everybody else gets an explanation of like, hey, the two of us are going to go help look for this girl. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't think, gets an actual explanation. He just is gone. And Perfect. it just seems like, oh, everybody else is leaving. Now is my time to steal away and go hide in the attic.
1: <laughs> like, and go have a complete nervous mental breakdown. Yeah.
0: And so you don't, you know, you get the, this guy's the funny one. And I think mm-hmm. these calls kinda of, I don't know. I could it's not a stretch to picture that dude reading some of that stuff and saying some of that stuff. Just like the weird funny guy, the
1: last guy they'd expect. Well, yeah, yeah. I could see it. I could see it.
0: So yeah, I'm very shocked that there isn't actually a consensus because after this last viewing it seemed like clear to me. Oh, of course. It has to be this man. Huh. So There you it. go. And I love I love this movie so much. I love it. It is my it is my favorite horror movie. Not favorite Christmas horror movie. It's my favorite horror movie.
1: There you go. I think it's definitely one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. And for that, uh, yeah, for that reason alone, it's got to be up <laughs> it's there. It's got to be
0: up there. Yeah. How many other horror movies make, made you feel this actual sense of terror? Right. You know, I can probably count on two, two hands, ones <laughs> that I was actually genuinely just
1: filled with terror by. So it's come to this. It's come to this. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Soon. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie.